The New York Giants are in first place. Can you believe it? We break down the 1917 win over the Bengals to put Big Blue atop the NFC East at four and seven. And we get into Daniel Jones's leg injury. Will he miss time? We also will chat with longtime ESPN anchor and diehard Giants fan, the lovely Linda Cohn. All that and a whole lot more. It's next on a first place edition of the Blue Rush Podcast from the New York Post. Welcome back to a first place edition of the Blue Rush Podcast, our New York Giants podcast from the New York Post. Subscribe to the show wherever you get your bloody pods. That's Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Stitcher, Google, Amazon. Give us a five-star rating. Write in a nice review. Your host of Blue Rush, our Giants longtime beat writer, Paul Schwartz, and two-time Giants Super Bowl champion kicker, Lawrence Tynes. Joining us in the second half of the show will be a diehard Giants fan and longtime ESPN anchor, Linda Cohn. But guys, let's get the first place show rolling. The Giants beat the Bengals. It wasn't pretty, but a win's a win. And first place is first place. Yeah, first place is first place, but for how long? You know, it it it's it's it was a rough one. It it was a good news, bad news situation in this game. And you know, my big take out of it is not the win, but it's the Daniel Jones hamstring injury. I'm worried about it. Lawrence legs, you know legs, you know hamstrings. Tough. Um tough. What did you think when you saw him reach back on that seven yard run? You saw him reach back right away, tried to stick it out, came back in. Not good, right? Not at all. And he's um, you know, he's tough. He get usually gets up and you think, man, is he gonna yeah. grab his arm or shoulder? When he got up and grabbed his hamstring, I knew something was wrong. Soft tissue injuries stink. Running is a big part. Mobility is a big part of of his game. And so, you know, we'll wait and see what the MRI says tomorrow. But, you know, I think it'll be Colt McCoy for sure next week. I think he'll play better. You know, obviously we'll have a week with the with the offense, but definitely no good for the Giants right now. Yeah, he said a couple of things after the game, Lawrence. He said, you know, I asked him, did you feel it? You know, sometimes you feel a pop or a grab. He said, yeah, I did feel it. You know, we'll see exactly what it is. It's tough to tell. Yeah. Uh, he, he said he's not discouraged, but he's excited that they got the win. But, you know, he said it's really tough not to be out there. You could tell that he was very concerned about this because he did try to come back in the game. You know, he loosened up on the sideline. Mm-hmm. He came back in. He handed off. He had no push on it. And it was not getting better. It was getting worse. I mean, t- can you tell from where he grabbed it? It looked almost like he was reaching up high. Do you think it was more of a high kind of a glute uh, hamstring situation? Could you tell at all? You know, your eyes are pretty trained for this kind of stuff. I, you know, originally I thought he was grabbing behind his knee, like low. And then all of a sudden you saw him in the tent. There was a shot of him on the TV where it looked like they were working. You know, hamstrings are delicate things. And he's obviously a guy that relies on his leg. So fingers crossed, it's not too bad. But I would certainly anticipate him missing at least one game at the minimum. Now, what do you think when you saw Colt McCoy come in, came in? You know, he's admitted he was rusty. Mm-hmm. He, he basically hasn't played in a year. He's a career backup. Um, I was alarmed that he scrambled and allowed himself to be taken out of bounds there. That was a really bad play. Yeah. Badly missed Deion Lewis on that hot read. He throws that and hits That's Deion a Lewis. Walk in. He walks in for a touchdown. The game is over. But 
Uh, he almost threw an interception, but did not. You know, six for ten, managed things, slid, mm-hmm. ran a little bit. You know, what is your feel for Colt McCoy if he has to play here? You know, I like him obviously better with a full week of practice with yep, the ones, yep. getting some reps. Now, he did make a really good throw to Sterling Shepard, I want to say in the fourth quarter out on the sideline when Sterling fell down. That was a big throw. He missed some throws, things you expect from a from a guy who hasn't played a lot of football. I like Colt McCoy as a backup. I mean, listen, can we rely on him to go in and, and go up to Seattle and win? Sure. I mean, I think I think there can be a game plan there for, for Jason Garrett and him and uh, our defense, and obviously we'll talk about special teams later, but I think we can win with Colt McCoy. It's asking a lot, but it does show you how much, you know, we've we've enjoyed watching Daniel Jones improve. Obviously, Daniel Jones is a much better player, but we'll see what happens. Last thing on Colt McCoy, this is something that Joe Judge said about him, which you kind of roll your eyes and you say, well, yeah, that's what a head coach says. But Joe Judge doesn't say a lot of things just to throw it out there. He said, in practice with the scout team, Colt McCoy gives our defense hell. He works them hard. He mm-hmm. competes hard. So if they can get some of that squeezed into the game with a full week of game planning and getting him up to speed with the ones, you know, I I, I sense that, you know, this is not a complete give up job. You know what I mean? That, that yeah. we can't win. We can't win with this quarterback. You know, we'll, we'll talk about this later in the week, but it's just a downer, you know, because the Giants yeah. have won three in a row and Daniel Jones was playing okay today. Not great. And, you know, mm-hmm. this is really, look, but life in the division, right? They, they, they read yeah. the Washington, Dak Prescott. These things happen to quarterbacks. If it completely obliterates your season, what kind of program are you running? Yeah. And listen, he's not facing the 85 Bears next week. I mean, we're playing Seattle's defense. They got one or two good players back there, but we should be able to move the football on them. You know, what's just a matter of can we keep up with them, obviously, if they get to scoring a lot of points. Now, here is Logan Ryan. What do you think he's referring to, the veteran safety, when he was asked a question and he said this? Who cares? Who honestly cares? What do you think he was talking about? <laughs> that you that we were leading the division? Probably. First place. Nobody Logan, cares. Logan, how does it feel to be in first place? Except he said, us. we care. Who really cares? He said, it's like a tie. We're in first place for a minute, and yeah. then someone else plays. Now, I understand they're four and seven, but they've won three in a row, and meaningful football in November, it will be. Last time I checked the schedule, it will be December, right? Is that right? It'll be December in a few days. And then they will be playing meaningful games in December. This means something. I mean, if I understand just because they're in first place for five minutes, the Eagles might win on Monday night and then the Giants are in second place. But this means something. It really does. It does to them. But I think they've they've fallen with this one yep. game at a time, one week at a time. Coach Joe Judge has referenced it every time he's talked to you guys. Um, these guys need to keep taking care of business this week. This week, obviously, a, a completely new challenge with potentially a backup quarterback playing and then playing against uh, one of the best offenses in pro football. So what, what Joe Judge said about it is, you know, he was talking about if we don't keep our short-sighted goals here and, and let get away and get carried away with this, this conversation is going to be something of the past, meaning this conversation will be, oh, yeah, remember when the Giants were in first place that time? You know, not anymore, but they are now. And the only reason they are is because of this defense. I understand the quarterback that they played was not, you know, NFL caliber. I get that. But this defense had one bad series all game and played lights out with a array of different players, not just the usual suspects, Leonard Williams, Jabril Peppers. <laughs> they had an array of, of, of suspects here that played well. 
Defense is pretty good. Nico Lalos. I mean, can we talk about that pick that kid made? You know, the thing I loved most about that interception is if you watch the TV copy, watch the reaction of his teammates mm-hmm. after he makes that interception. If that doesn't tell you anything about this football team, that to me kind of gave me a little warm and fuzzy feeling. I mean, that's cool. They know who this guy is. He's worked his tail off in the practice squad. He's undrafted from an Ivy League school. He comes out there. I think he just got brought up this week yep. and makes a pretty big play. I mean, mm-hmm. that was a big play at the time of the point, point in time of the game. And, you know, I just love the reaction of the team and, and the players around him. So, these guys are playing well. That defense is real, to your point. They're they're playing really, really well. You know, the reaction of the team is one thing. He got a shout-out on Twitter from LeBron James. Oh, come on. He, he, you, you know, okay, now, you got to connect the dots here, right? Yeah. Why is LeBron James giving a shout-out to Nico Lalos from Dartmouth? And that was a very athletic interception. The ball didn't I'm fall in sure. his hands. Well, why? He, he wrote, good luck out there, Nico. Okay? From Nico Lalos went to St. Vincent, St. Mary's in Akron, Ohio. So that's LeBron's school. But how about how about that? You were in your first game and LeBron gives you a shout out on Twitter between his teammates on the sideline and LeBron. That young man is going to have a good week. You know, he's he's an athletic kid. You know, the one thing about Judge Joe Judges, and and I find it very interesting. I don't know if refreshing is the right right word, but, you know, all these coaches say we need all 53, blah, 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 blah. And then they play their guys and that's it. Judge suits up guys and he really believes if I give you a uniform, you have to help us win this game. And he instills belief in these guys and they go out there. They don't all play great but they play like they belong. And it's, it's, it's an interesting, it's a collective. And Lawrence, you know, when a team starts believing that one to 53 are all in it together, you know, you can do a lot of good things. Yeah. And I think what he does with players and gives them opportunities, it does resonate throughout the entire roster. So these guys that are kind of busting their hump on practice squad are thinking, you know what? He's going to call my number one week and maybe give me a shot. So I think it energizes you at practice. It keeps people engaged because you think, hey, Nico just got called up. It might be my turn next week. And that that's infectious throughout a team. And, and listen, pro sports to me, and I tell people this all the time, it's all between your ears. When you feel good mentally, you have confidence, you play well. And, and Coach Judge is a master it given people confidence because you watch some of these edge rushers they got. I mean, today I'm going, who the hell are these guys? You yeah. know, you got Coughlin rushing the passer, Cam Brown, who looks like a receiver rushing the passer, Nico making a hell of a play. So kudos to Joe Judge. He instills confidence in these players and they they play well. They they react to, you know, getting promoted to the active roster and they get to get to play in real football. So that's cool. Do you see a little bit of angry, Ahmad Bradshaw angry in Wayne Gallman? A little bit of that. I mean, they're different players, but you know, Wayne Gallman, his first couple of years with the Giants was an okay player, you know, got got some run, did some nice things, but he didn't run like this. He is running like he is ticked off by every time he gets the ball that someone doubted him. He falls forward for two, three yards every play. Now, look, 24 carries for 94 yards is not going to get you in the Hall of Fame. He's not a big breakout guy. 18 yards was his longest run. But if he doesn't keep the chains moving in this game, they do not win. And Mm -hmm. when McCoy came in and they knew they had to run, they still got positive yards out of it. You see a little bit of that anger in him? He is a dog. 
You know, it's funny because it's it's hard for me to say that because every time he gets up, he's smiling. Ahmad yeah. was really, you know, yes. Wayne's a smiler. He's talking yeah. out there to the guys and he's he's kind of punching his hands together like, oh, I almost broke that one. So, but he does run really well. I tell you what, he looks slippery to me, but he's really, he's got some power in that frame. Mm-hmm. I mean, there's some power in there somewhere. You don't just manufacture, you know, I think he, they said on the broadcast today, he's, he's top five or maybe leading the NFL in yards after contact. He's not human. So that's an impressive stat. The offensive line is really, I thought, I thought Hernandez played well today. He opened up some big holes. So I love Wayne Gallman. He's taking advantage of this opportunity and and I love the way he's playing. He's just, you know, he looks like he's having fun, which this whole football team does. Well, and uh, Lawrence, your guy, Matt Pert, who who was on the uh, reserve COVID list, we couldn't play him. this game. We missed him. Um, yeah, I have a feeling some of those plays that Cam Fleming was mm. wearing down, that holding. The, the one thing that was interesting about this game, Lawrence, is that there were so many things that I checked off and said, oh, that's why they're going to lose. Give up a touchdown on special teams. Holding penalty. What right? is this? You call it the anatomy of a disaster? anatomy. The anatomy of a collapse. Of a yes, collapse. yes. And, and it was building to that, right? And it was. That, that leads us to special teams. The special teams take away Graham Gano, who was. I know you hate the word automatic yep. because it sounds like it, he's not trying. Four for four. Now you noticed he was not right. Now Graham Gano said he was. He had coronavirus. He just wasn't on the list. And he said mm-hmm. he had fever. He had sweats he was weak i didn't know this you know they don't report how a guy feels he said he was he was physically not feeling great okay fine he comes out and kicks and goes four for four with field goals you saw a little more behind the scenes though there didn't you yeah i thought his ball flight was a little off i mean he you could tell there was a little thump a little pop missing i mean i don't think his kicks were as high or as true and i saw some of that on his kickoffs but Obviously, you just told us the story why he was really sick. And for him to come out there and gut it out and make four huge field goals, which this team desperately needed today, um, he's bailed them out a lot this season. So good for him. Hopefully he gets stronger and healthier this week after, you know, being sick for a while. So but listen, it shows you how good the guy is. Right. He had covid hadn't kicked. He was kicking in a hotel room in a net. Yeah. And he comes out and he goes four for four. And, you know, Cincinnati is it's not an easy place to kick. I mean. I've played there. I saw some of the wind swirling around today. So, again, you know, he's just had an awesome season. What's the most you've hit in a row? I think 18, maybe. They, they're he, way by me. He's at 24 right now. And, yeah. um, Josh you know, and, 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 yeah, 28. 28 or 29. Yeah. yeah. I mean, and now you're right because he had an excuse. You know what I mean? He wasn't yeah. going to use it as an excuse. He said, I felt fatigued out there. He had an excuse for missing one. Now, the kickoff that was returned 102 yards for a touchdown, mm-hmm. he blamed on himself because it was two yards in the end zone, but he said it was straight down the middle. It Directionally, it was not where I wanted it to be. I put my guys in a bad position. Now, the Giants take the lead 11 seconds later at 7-7. That's another thing that clicks in my mind and said, that's how you lose a game. Is that is he, is he kind of taking one on the chin here? Uh, is you know is that his fault really? A little bit. It just depends on what was called in the huddle, and I don't know that, and you don't know that. If he, I mean, if he said he didn't kick it where he meant to, then I don't know where he meant to kick it. Right? Could have been right. It could have been left. If I could go watch the film, I could tell if they were going deep kick right, which is probably what they were trying to do. But listen, there's still ten other guys running down there that had a chance to make the tackle, and including Graham himself, who gave a great effort, but. 
when a guy's running 20 miles an hour straight at you, I mean, that's a bad place to be. But that's just him being a gentleman, taking it for his teammates. I, those guys get paid to go cover kicks. Special teams stunk all day. Let's talk yes. about it. Yeah. 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 The coverage yeah. teams. And I'm talking about, you know, Riley was okay and, and Graham were great, but the coverage unit stunk. You give up a 29-yard punt return to midfield and with, crunch 50, time. with 57 seconds to go up by yeah. two. That is another one I check off and say, that's why you lose. Now they didn't, you know, because, you know, Brandon Allen is really a, you know, a marginal NFL quarterback, obviously. Mm -hmm. yeah. So, and Cam Brown, a guy you mentioned is this big, you know, wide receiver looking guy on pass rush makes a touchdown saving tackle at midfield and that's one of those little things you know that the whole roster you got to use here look they, they got lucky because of who they were playing the special teams was a reason that they should have lost the game yeah and i don't you know it'd be interesting to go back and look and see how many punts they've actually had to fully cover because mm -hmm. if you remember the last game that we played against the eagles prior to the 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 bye these guys need live reps and, and they, i think riley had a game where we had no return yards against us and so you know special teams does get affected during a bye but you better believe it that that's going to be fixed with uh, Quinn, T-Mac, and Judge in the house this next week. You know, it's interesting because after the game, you know, Judge is pretty stoic. He doesn't go too crazy, but he was ticked about the special teams. You could see it. He just said, that's that's not a winning – you know, if we play like that, we won't win any games. I mean, no. you know, of all the things, you know he's thinking, really? We're going to screw up on special teams here? Thank God they didn't lose the game because of it. He might have – you know, he you might know, have – um, yeah. Darren Simmons is over there with the Bengals, yep. and he yep. is one of the best special teams coaches in the NFL. People don't know about Darren Simmons. He's mm -hmm. been there since 03, but Darren Simmons – is one of the best there is in pro football with the Bengals. So he does a good job with his units. You know, when you look at the defense also, I mean, there's so much credit to go around. Uh, you know, there are good receivers out there. It's not a good quarterback, but there are good receivers. Tyler Boyd, irrelevant with James Bradbury out there, right? T. Higgins did some things a little bit here and there, but Xavier McKinney got a couple of snaps on defense. I noticed him out there only once on yeah. third and 18, and he got some special teams reps. Now, if you add McKinney to Jabril Peppers, who was tremendous today, and Logan Ryan, a little bit of Julian Love, you put McKinney and Julian Love spot in a game or two. That's what Patrick Graham wants to do on defense. He wants multiple safety looks. Yeah. Now you have something that that's cooking pretty good if Xavier McKinney can get up to speed quickly enough because they think he's going to be a terrific player. Yeah, Peppers and, Lo and Logan Ryan are playing at a Pro Bowl. Both of them are playing really, really well. So if, if McKinney can add to the mix and they can start sprinkling them in here down the stretch, keep them healthy. Today was probably a good day to maybe get his feet wet and then – you know, get up to the warm-up and the, how the game operates, and hopefully maybe next week we'll see him. Guys, the Giants are in first place. Sarah, I know you're happy over there. Uh, I mean, it's 4-7, and seven, but first place, you're feeling good right now, right? Oh, me? I'm feeling great. <laughs> yeah, I mean, the, the, the meme that was going around was a trash bag that was actually golden, and that was the, the Giants logo over it. That yeah, came out. Um, I made that my header on Twitter. <laughs> yeah, I mean, it's, it's, it's a beautiful thing, and I think you got to celebrate the little things right now, and it sucks that – Jones is hurt. He might miss the next game. We'll, we'll find out more this week when he gets yeah. his MRI. But, you know, you're happier in first, and we'll see. The schedule is tough for the Giants, so that's the thing. And Washington really has Oof. the advantage. After the Steelers, the Washington schedule is not terrible. When they face Nick Mullins, they face the Panthers, they face the Eagles. So Washington could have the leg up. We'll find out. Um, but coming up next, it's Tyne's take as he honors the late Marcus Paul, the former Giants assistant strength and conditioning coach for over a decade. 
Last week, the world, the NFL, lost a great man. Marcus Paul, at the age of 54 years old, suddenly passed away last week. A lot of Giants fans may not have known Marcus Paul and, and what he meant to us players, the organization, but I think you could tell throughout the week as the outpouring of support from the Patriots, the Giants, the NFL, the Cowboys, everyone that came in contact with, with Marcus Paul had nothing but unbelievable things to say about him. And I wanted to take a few moments on our show today and, and recognize Marcus Paul and who he was. I mean, Marcus Paul was one of those people you meet in life and you never forget them. There's only so many of those people in life that you, you meet and you, you'll never forget them. It doesn't matter where you are, what you've been through. Marcus was that guy. Marcus was a man of great faith, a man of great spirit, great energy, positivity, leadership. You know, if, if you, even if you weren't a, a person of great faith, he didn't judge you. He, he would still talk to you. He, he, he would, you know, listen to you. If you had a question about religion or life or family, I mean, Marcus Paul, you spend a lot of time with strength coaches. Marcus Paul would lend an ear, give you advice, you know, it didn't matter who you were on the football team. It didn't matter who you were in the building. Marcus Paul was just one of those infectious, unbelievable spirits that you come across just a few times in your lifetime. And, you know, we're going to miss him. And a lot of people are going to miss Marcus. And he has gone way too soon. And I think you can tell from the outpouring of support this week who Marcus Paul was as a man, as a person. Sure, he's a, a champion but he is a champion of life. He is one of those great people. And I wanted to just share, you know, a little bit about Marcus and what he meant to all of us and everyone that knew him. And, you know, we send prayers up to his, his friends and family. And I know where Marcus is. I think everyone knows where Marcus Paul is today. And he's going to watch over all of us. And, you know, may he rest in peace. And, and we love you, Marcus. We love you. Joining Blue Rush next is an iconic sportscaster that has been one of the faces of ESPN since 1992 when she anchored her first sports center for the past 28 years. She has anchored more than 5,000 sports centers. Yes, 5,000. Same amount of calories I had before lunchtime on Thanksgiving. She also hosts In the Crease on ESPN Plus, and you can occasionally hear her host on Sirius XM's Mad Dog Sports Radio. She's the author of Conehead, a no-hold-barred account of breaking into the boys' club. She's a New Yorker, a diehard Giants fan, Mets, Knicks, and Rangers too, a goaltender, and a national Jewish sports Hall of Famer. Of course, it's the ageless wonder, Linda Cohen. Welcome back to the Blue Rush Podcast. You are on Season 1. Welcome to Season 2. It's Jake Brown, Lawrence Tynes, Paul Schwartz. How are you this evening? So great to be with all of you rock stars, thank you for having me. Yes, we love having you on, and you, you know, did a, a terrific tribute to Eli Manning early this year when we we had that thank you Eli episode. Um, we know you are one of Eli's biggest fans, and I want to start with you. You got to interview Sarah Fuller, uh, the first female kicker in a Power Five conference last night on Sports Center, and you made sports casting history in 1987 when you became the first full time U.S. sports anchor on a national radio network with WABC. What was that like talking to her and what did that mean to you and to females overall for, you know, just the essential, you know, fact that, you know, we have a female kicker in a power five conference getting a ton of attention. It was quite the moment on Saturday. Well, first of all, she's an amazing young woman. I mean, so delightful. Uh, and I really enjoyed that. I even enjoyed it more than I thought I would just because I had some quality time talking with her. 
But you know what? You brought up the whole me breaking the barriers and, and, and in broadcasting, but what came to my mind, and I brought it up with Sarah during the interview after we talked about her, and I'm going to get to that in a second, about me being, you know, being a goalie and making the high school boys team, um, you know, for me, you know, I played goalie uh, most of my life, ice hockey, and I made the my high school team and I played with boys playing hockey and to make my high school team was, you know, better than the senior prom. And I said, it brought back such amazing memories to me of my nerves of having butterflies, of being in a place where many people thought I did not belong. And then to see her do what she did, and I hear all the stupidity on social media, but I don't care about those people. This was a big deal. And nobody walks in her shoes and nobody has walked in my shoes to know what it is like to break a barrier like this. And, you know, and sadly it was for Vanderbilt because they couldn't figure out a way to score a touchdown or get on the field to attempt a field goal. And so, of course, we wanted to see more from her. But she was asked to do one thing, which, as we all know, and she performed it fabulously. You know, the squib kick and they didn't return it. And that was to open the second half. but. It, you know, these are small steps, but these are great steps, and uh, it did mean a lot. And especially it meant a lot to young women, young girls, you know, who love football. I mean, we have come so far in such a great way. Now we have, you know, just young girls who grew up. You know, I grew up loving the Giants because of my dad. I mean, I'm and to this day, I'm still uh, borderline obsessed. But, you know, that we're seeing that more and more and more and more. It's great. And to think it's a seat. This young woman walk out on a football field and, uh, you know, deliver the, you know, second half kickoff and seeing all those girls watch her. You know, that was a big deal. So I enjoyed that opportunity. That was that's the kind of moment where you just pinch yourself and you're, and you're like, this is so great. I really love my job. <laughs> hey, Linda, it's Paul. It's good to hear you. Uh, you know, you mentioned being a uh, diehard Giants fan. You said you got that from your father. Um, what are your, how far back do you go? What's your first recollection as far as being a Giant fan? And, um, you know, I, it's probably no coincidence we have you on this year when the Giants moved into first place. So what do you think of this year's team as well? I mean, I don't think we thought we'd be saying we're having Linda Cohn on to talk about the first place New York Giants. Yeah, I mean, uh, I you know, I go back, obviously, you know, I, I remember Ali Haji Sheik was the kicker, okay, <laughs> Lawrence Tides, uh, you know, that's how far <laughs> <Yeah>. back I go. <laughs> I mean, I'm dating myself, but of course, you know, with Bill Parcells and, and all of and all of that, but the, you know, the just the, the, the terrible seasons, the first year for Bill, you know, when he won just three games, uh, and I guess that, you know, that's when we always had that famous quote, you know, you are what your record says you are. I think that's when Bill first said that. And, yeah, I mean, I, I just live and die with that team. And, you know, to fast forward through the years, and, yes, I, I to this day, and I hope Eli Manning knows this, I love him unconditionally. Uh, I'm an Eli apologist. I'm president of his fan club. I don't let anyone talk down or anything negative about him. He's a first-time Hall of Famer. And uh, so I always go to his defense. And then moving fast forward, it was really difficult for me to accept Daniel Jones. I know he's a great human. I know he works hard, all of the above. And I'm talking to you as a fan now, not as a journalist, okay? And so, um, you know, I was not surprised he has fallen on tough times. Now, lately, of course, uh, before we even get to today, you know, he has shown definitely uh, signs of, uh, you know, uh, progress. Let's just put it that way. And uh, sadly, he got hurt today. It's light hammy injury. He's probably going to be back next week. Not that I know anything. You guys probably know that more. But uh, it was great to see a win today. What I love is how this team battles. I'm a big fan of Joe Judge. 
I mean, that's one of the few um, decisions by GM Dave Gettleman, uh, you know, that I really, really did like. And it has so far, despite the record, sorry, Bill Parcells, these players play hard for this guy. I don't have to tell you. And he's all business. And I like that in a head coach. But he also knows a few things. And, of course, he's got some great training from that Belichick tree. So to answer your question, it started a long time ago, my love for the Giants, and uh, it will never leave me. Hey, Linda, this is Lawrence. Thanks for coming on. I I almost feel like I know you. I've been watching you over half my life on my TV set. But I want to know, do you have a favorite ESPN commercial? Because I'm one of those guys that loves kind of silly humor. I love those commercials. So I'll tell you my favorite. It's the Steve Irwin, John Anderson, when the gator comes out of the elevator. That is the all-time, and he's like, have a go at this one. Do you have a favorite ESPN commercial? You know, um, I enjoyed every opportunity that I've had to do them. They're really fun. Um, It's just great. I mean, I think, you know, there's two of them that I really – there's three of them I really like, and two of them I'm not in it. One um, has to do with – where uh, Evander Holyfield way back in the day was running a daycare center. And um, my daughter actually got to be in the commercial and she was only eight years old and she's seen bouncing on a bouncy ball. Um, and it's just a funny spot. Another one that, you know, of course I did one with Saquon Barkley, you know, what's not the love there. Okay. That's like a bonus. Um, but you know, <laughs> let's not forget Saquon. Uh, the other thing is um, there's one that was, was came out last year where Manny Machado, believe it or not, was running, a daycare center and there's this little girl i'm not even in the spot the little girl just is whining and crying and saying i want to meet linda cone you know <laughs> that was like a you know it was a crazy situation in the daycare but one of the greatest ones is my colleague jay harris it was an old-time great when he's waiting for the elevator in bristol connecticut there in our espn facility and the elevator opens up and he's about to walk in and then you see the mascot for the New Jersey Devil ah, standing oh. there. And then he says, <laughs> going down. <laughs> and he's like, no, and he waves him on to take the that next elevator. So that's like one of my all-time saves. Linda, have you ever, I mean, you've talked to athletes all the time, professional athletes. Have you ever talked to Eli Manning about this love affair, sports love <laughs> affair you have with him? You know what I mean? Because look, you're a professional, you do your job. You, you get behind the camera, you don't root, you have some fun, you know, you break news, yep. but you're also a fan, like you admit it. So have you ever talked to Eli and just said, look, Eli, I'm ESPN. I've done 8,000, 5,000 sports centers, but <laughs> I, I, I can't be, I can't be objective when I talk about you. Let me tell you something. I'm counting on you guys to let him know. <laughs> Lawrence will send him a text. We will. We will hey, we'll, just, we'll just tweet. At, we'll just tweet at him, and he'll probably send us back Frank's. Yeah, red please. Hot I, I, you know, yeah. He, he's. You know, I, by the way, it was a major victory when he finally got on Twitter. And then um, I'm telling you, I, I, I took a screenshot when he started following me. I'm afraid to look <laughs> if he has stopped following me, so I don't even want to know. <laughs> but that's, that's how big so it funny. is. But. I don't, I'm telling tell you, I don't know if he knows how much I love him and defend him at all costs and how I want to go to Canton, Ohio to see him get inducted into the Pro Football Hall of Fame. But, um, you know, I just want him to know I've, I'll always have his back because I, as a longtime Giants fan, and, you know, obviously, Lawrence, you lived it. I mean, I just appreciate that unexpected magic that Eli Manning, you know, was responsible for. And what I was most impressed with Besides the fact we all know about his upbringing and the wonderful family of the Mannings, we get it all that. I mean, I always, I def, I would rip Peyton Manning 
you know, behind closed doors to defend Eli. I mean, that's how much I love Eli. But just <laughs> Giants fans, seriously, Giants, we just appreciate all that. And I just love how we always blocked out the noise. And I followed sports in this, as you guys know, and you know um, what it takes to be a successful athlete in the Big Apple. And Eli Manning, to block out the noise, to just, em- you know, embrace what needs to be embraced and think about his team first and winning first and just rose above how many athletes can we say through the history of New York sports that has handled fans, media, as well as Eli Manning. Well, Linda, if he follows you, you could slide into his DMs. I think he, if he allows DMs and say, you know, profess your love, but I I don't know. Uh, I don't know if he checks his DMs. No, I don't want to go there. You know, I don't want to go there. I don't get the wrong idea. You know, I just want to (laughs) let him know that. I, I will always have his back. Well, do you have fond memories of seeing Lawrence kick the Giants in the two Super Bowls and those two teams? <laughs> oh, yeah. Oh, my goodness. Of course. Lawrence knows how much I love him. And then I was just excited. Lawrence, I know you probably, I hope you remember this when we were in uh, Orlando for ESPN the weekend, which was such yes. a cool event back in the day. And you sensed how excited I was. I know I was borderline groupy, but <laughs> I was there with my kids. But I was just so pumped up to meet you, and it was just so exciting. It was after, obviously, the big Super Bowl and, you know, so many big kicks you had and and, and freezing weather in Green Bay. And, I mean, that was obviously the ultimate one and that celebration after you did that and with Tom Coughlin with his race. Hey, hey, Linda, I will confess I did slide into your DMs this week (laughs) (laughs) on Twitter. We did that slid up in there. That's great. I am so honored. I was just thanking her for coming on the show, and I couldn't wait to talk to her, but – I did slide into the DMs. Yes, yeah. I, I, I say, you know, we, we make sure to mention those teams and him because you have the book Conehead. When this show's over, Lawrence Tyne's going to have the book Big Head um, because of his <laughs> ego is through the roof right now. So there you go. Yeah, no, for sure. But, no, I, I definitely saw that DM out of you. But, uh, no, it, it is just so great. And, and you know, listen, I know, you know, it's been frustrating to be a Giants fan of late, but I think they're moving in the right direction. Again, it's obviously I've made it clear I'm not a fan of the GM. But, um, you know, I, I'm sure he's a nice person. I've never met him. But um, I think with the head coach moving in the right direction, and if you would ask me, uh, Linda, are you still, are you now embracing Daniel Jones? I mean, honestly, guys, I really need to see more because Eli, with his first 23 games, you know, his numbers were so much better. Everything was better. I know I had a better team around him. I get that. But, I mean, it's a lot of work to be done with this team. And the schedule for the next four games are just deadly. So, you know, once upon a time, this team was one and seven. I know they've won three in a row, and I love that. And they're going to learn from it. And I love how the defense is playing as well. But, um, yeah, it's brutal, and it starts next week. Linda, being a, a fellow Long Islander, you know, uh, Long Island obviously is big Mets country. I know you're also a big Mets fan. So as much as yeah. you take to Eli Manning, how happy are you that Mr. Steve Cohn is now the Mets owner? And do you see massive spending and World Series and parades down the Canyon of Heroes with the Mets now? Let's just get back to the postseason, okay? <laughs> you know, hold off on the parade, pump your tire, you know, just pump the brakes a little bit. Uh, thank God. I mean, it took a while. It's worth waiting for Steve Cohen. You know, he's ready. He has made it clear. I love what he had to say in that press conference that he had. Um, he's obviously a smart man. He's not going to just, he's not going to be like a kid in the candy store and picking out every free agent. You know, he's going to make smart decisions. I'd love to see, you know, this Mets team 
pick up a pick a couple of big names. I, you know, starting with a guy like George Springer, a local guy from Connecticut, um, and what he's done. Um, I would love to see a George Springer on this team. Um, I don't like that other teams in the division are getting better. So something's got to be done. But obviously, um, I my thoughts and my feelings of the Mets obviously are trending upwards with Steve Cohen as the guy with the wallet. And there's a lot of bills in that wallet. So I think that fans should be really happy because I love this core group. What a young group. What a fun group to work, uh, to root for, you know, led by Pete Alonso, you know, picking up the mantle from David Wright, just a great face of the franchise. And then you have Jake DeGrom, who should have won another Cy Young, but did not. Not his fault. Uh, he's just amazing. So there's a lot to root for for the Mets. And it's funny. People always ask me, why well, a Mets fan, Linda? My God, you came out of the rotation with, you know, your Giants, Rangers, Knicks. You should be a Yankee fan. Well, that was the only team that my that my dad, that I went against my dad. He was such a big Yankee fan, my dad, the biggest. And I was like, you know, the Mets need my support more, Dad. And so that's why I stuck with the Mets. Well, Linda, you're going to have to go on the round. You'll have to be on with me and Nelson Figueroa on Amazing But True next season because then you'll make the round table. You were on with Ron Dugan up in the Blue Seeds, Blue Rush, and then Amazing But True. So you'll make your – and then the Knicks next whenever – they're relevant. We're waiting until they're relevant for that one. But uh, that would, yes, that that'd be soon. I mean, that also is moving in the right direction. And yes, that was like winning. That would be like winning a career grand slam. Yeah, the New if York I Post. Be on all of the, shows. the queen of the New York Post. And I'll say, I didn't mention, we have the first ever associate female associate producer in New York Post podcast history with Sarah McCrory in the building. So we're just setting history here oh, on the Blue Rush podcast. Shout out to you, Sarah. Um, yeah. What do What do you what, What's like? Do you have a certain pride in being from New York? Us New Yorkers have pride, and you show that when you do interviews with us, and you show you know your love for these New York teams. I think it's just a New York thing. We're prideful, and and you seem to represent that well. Even even though you went out west, you're three hours behind. You know, it's a different lifestyle out there. You still rep New York pretty well out there. Oh, I sure do. And uh, you know, there's never a doubt because all you have to do is listen to me talk. I mean, the New York accent is loud and clear. Some would say it's very Long Island twangy. Okay, I'll take it, but it's still New York. And yeah, when I went on the radio and, and I host every weekend on Sirius XM Mad Dog Sports Radio, I, uh, the accent comes out and how I feel about my teams. And, you know, and that's the thing. You could be such a, um, that's what's so great when you, you know, when you do po- podcasts like you guys do and you host podcasts and you can speak freely, uh, you know, obviously. You know, Sports Center is a is a different animal. I'm still have to, you know, it's a national audience. Um, but when I host radio, even if it's a national scope, I let the accent come out because it's so much more conversational. Because you're just winging it, you know, you're just talking, you're just having a conversation with your listeners, and um, so I don't mind it. And people know that, you know, how passionate I am about these New York teams, and I I am proud to be a New Yorker. I was born in Manhattan, in New York City. And uh, even though I grew up on Long Island, but uh, yeah, so even out on the West, West Coast, and yeah, it's a different type of fan base out here. You know, they do love their Dodgers and they love their Lakers, but as we all know, it's never and will never be the real New York sports fan. They, we are um, we are separate from everyone. That includes Boston, that includes Chicago. Uh, we are the best. Women in sports is, was a topic, obviously, this weekend with Sarah Fuller. Go back to when you first started to where we are today with officials in the NBA and the NFL. Are, have we exceeded where you think we would be at this point in time, or did you ever give it a thought as you were kind of going through your career? Yeah, I mean, I think it's great. Um, I didn't really give it a lot of thought because, you know, you just so centered around what you do and you try to be the best that you're at every time. And I haven't stopped doing that. 
Um, I'm one of those people that I continue to strive um, and I kind of make believe whether I'm on television or on the radio that someone's listening to me or hearing me or seeing me for the very first time. And so I'm like playing to them and I'm trying to prove to them I belong. I try to prove to them I deserve what I have and what I'm doing and I know my stuff. And that has always been my chip on my shoulder. And so I think uh, it's great to see so many women in the industry and there are many, many, many really great ones. They're very, very good. And some, uh, many of these same ones that are very good have that passion that I grew up with. And that's an important element uh, to it. And so, um, but I, I have to be honest, yeah, I never thought I'd see female officials, female coaches, uh, part of, you know, professional teams in major sports leagues. I, I didn't think that was going to happen. I was just looking in, in the broadcasting industry, and I think the broadcasting industry has made tremendous strides um, as well. So, yeah, I mean, it's great. I mean, each day, not only Sarah Fuller, but I, I, I was just reading. Yeah, You know, it's great, guys. We, when it, when it's not when it doesn't become a big deal, like I was yeah. just looking at some coach or something, right? Like, oh wow, this is kind of cool. All right, and I didn't like dissect it or anything. I was like, oh, this is great, great. Add her to the list, super. So we, yeah, we it almost, it almost feels like every deal. NFL game has a female official. Uh, when you watch yeah. a game, you always see a ponytail. Does the NHL have any female officials? No, they don't. No, they don't. No. And, okay. and I mean, it's a matter of time, my, but they do yeah. not. That's a great question. Yeah. Um, and, uh, yeah, it's really a good talking point. Cause I also do a show on Sirius XM NHL network radio. So I might have to bring that up. So well done by you. Uh, but they, they do have, um, you know, trainers on teams do have medical people, you know, type of thing. Uh, they do not have any kind of assistant coaches or anything as well, uh, anything like that. But NHL has always been a more conservative, uh, because, you know, uh, Canada, is a more conservative, you know, the influence of Canada in their game. Linda Cohn, catch her on Sports Center all the damn time. You catch her on Mad Dog Sports Radio with Sirius <laughs> XM. Um, you know, ESPN, wherever you find her, uh, get the Conehead book as well. Linda, we always love chatting with you. The Giants are in first place. The Mets are getting JTL Riamuto this week. I'll call it call it now, and they're going to spend a ton of nice. money. Uh, I love that. And, That's another one I love. And yes. listen, the Rangers are young. You know, th things are shaping up here. Not for the Jets, unfortunately. They're still a disaster no. and a train wreck, and Adam no. Gase is lying in post-game press conferences oh, now, but what can man. you do? Uh, but, but listen, yeah. I mean, I got to say something about that. I hope for the good of Sam Darnold, he finds another team to live happily ever after with. Yeah. Because I just feel for that kid. And, yeah. uh, you know, it's just, I mean, uh, don't get me started on the Jets. Because that's not like a situation where, you know, how most sports fans, well, I'm a, you know, I'm a Giants fan. So, no, they don't can't stand the Jets. It's not like Rangers, Islanders, you know, type of thing. So I feel bad for the Jets. I really do. And I feel bad for a guy like Sam Darnold because he just needs the right guy uh, guiding him. And he'll make some team very happy. Yeah, it won't, won't be, be the Jets. Yeah, it won't be the Jets, and Adam Gase <laughs> will uh, be getting paid by the Jets two more years, but not on the sidelines in just a couple yeah. weeks, if not on Monday morning. Linda Cohn, follow her on Twitter and Instagram, at Linda Cohn. Love talking to you, Linda. Have a great night, and uh, we'll talk to you soon. Thanks so much, guys, for having me. I really enjoyed it. Continued success. That says cheerio to episode 54, the Andy Hedden edition of Blue Rush, our New York Giants podcast from the New York Post. Thanks to Jake Brown and Sarah McCrory for producing the show. Subscribe to Blue Rush on Apple Podcasts. Give us a five-star rating and write a nice review. We appreciate your support. For Paulie Schwartz, 
I'm Lawrence Steins. We return to your headsets on Thursday to preview the Giants matchup with the bloody Seahawks. Talk to you fine folks then and stay safe. Cheerio!